This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everyone. Before we start today's episode about math, I just wanted to let you guys know that we actually have a free show of math stories coming up this Thursday at the Tipsy Crow in San Diego, California. Incredible mathematicians like Ken Ono and Piper Heron will be sharing their stories. So if you're in the San Diego area, check out our website, storycollider.org, for more information. Hope to see you there. A science story, huh? It was that tall. golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Story Collider. I'm Liz Neely, Executive Director, and I'm filling in for Erin Barker while she explores the wilds of Boca Raton, Florida. This week, We're presenting two stories about the challenges that math people face, whether they're teachers or stand-up comedians. Our first story is from Lou Lefton. It was recorded in October 2017 at the Highland Inn Ballroom in Atlanta, Georgia. The theme that night was identity. My first time was in 1983. It was in Champaign, Illinois, on the outskirts of town. There was a nondescript cinder block, white banquet hall. People, about 100 people inside. They were uh, taking off their winter jackets and milling around. The loud corner, you could tell where the bar was. They were serving old style and big glass jugs of almond and burgundy. The event was the <clears throat> University of Illinois Department of Mathematics holiday party. After the dinner, which was, I'm sure, chicken and corn in some form, (laughs) there was a talent show. And I, as a graduate student there for the very first time, decided to get up and do a stand-up comedy set. So this was not my first time doing stand-up comedy, but it was my first time doing an entire stand-up comedy set consisting only of math jokes. I had been doing stand-up for about a year in graduate school, and I had had some success doing local clubs and open mics. Um, This was an intentional effort on my part to kind of reinvent the shy nerd who had come to graduate school to study math. And as I was writing jokes for those shows, I often found myself writing a math joke and thinking, only about a mathematician is the only one who's going to get that one, so I'd throw it out. This set was an opportunity for me to collect all of those jokes together in front of a crowd that would get them. I was excited, a little nervous, but I was pretty sure my material would resonate like the eigenvalues of a linear operator. (laughs) If you know what I mean. The crowd was rather, I mean, to an outside observer, the crowd looked probably engaged but subdued. 
But for us mathematicians, this was energized. <laughs> we, frankly, don't have a lot to do on a Saturday night in the central Illinois prairie. The MC brought me up. Ladies and gentlemen, our next performer, Lou Lefton, one of our graduate students, is going to tell us some jokes. I bounded onto the stage. I was ready to own the room. <clears throat> so my, my algebra prelim, I was a little confused. They asked me to prove that every principal ideal domain is a unique factorization domain. I mean, it's pretty basic, right? Everybody knows every PID is a UFD. But I misunderstood them, and I proved that every IUD is a UFO. <laughs> which is also a theorem, but the proof is very different. <laughs> hey, why did the chicken cross the Mobius Strip? To get to the other side, that doesn't work. A Mobius Strip is a manifold with only one side. I did pretty good. I got some laughs. I was engaged, and I was really actually enthused. I thought maybe if this math PhD doesn't work out, I've got a fallback plan. But... When I thought about math and comedy, I realized that I really should only be picking one, and I chose math. It was the safe choice, and it made sense. It really wasn't a surprise. I had always loved math ever since I was a kid. I, I'd never realized that it was a profession for a long time, though. In my sixth grade class, Mr. Norman Scheid, my sixth grade teacher, told me that mathematics was actually a job option. Because at that time, I thought, Mathematicians were like blacksmiths. They were jobs from the 1700s, <laughs> but certainly not useful anymore because everything had already been figured out, right? But he said, no, mathematics is actually an active, flourishing, modern science. And I, at that point, I thought, sounds great. That's what I want to do. And comedy came a little later. I was in high school, and I realized that I started, I was curious about jokes, and I started to write them down. I mean, I would listen to George Carlin and Steve Martin, I'd watch, you know, Monty Python, listen to National Lampoon, and, but I started writing jokes down. And these were just story jokes people told at parties, and I realized that I could tell them better than others by focusing on brevity, or word count, tone of voice. I was teaching myself delivery techniques with well-vetted material. And so, at that point, I had figured it out. After that banquet, my two childhood interests had found the perfect balance. Math was my profession, and comedy was in the hobby zone, <laughs> which is the professional equivalent of the friend zone. It's, yeah, I mean, I liked comedy, but I would never consider her for her career. <laughs> <laughs> the next time math and comedy collided for me was in 1988. I was at the University of California, Riverside. I had done a postdoc, and after a couple years there, as I was finishing it up, my mentor, Vic Shapiro, asked me if I would do a colloquium. This is a big public lecture that they have, and I was pretty honored. It's like, sure, I'd love to do a colloquium. And he said, I want you to do a colloquium with just your math jokes. <laughs> I was a little disappointed that people were more interested in my jokes than my research, but, you know, hey, a colloquium is a colloquium. And so I did it, and I, I killed. I mean, I had an entire auditorium full of academics laughing their elbow patches off. I mean, there were <laughs> pipe takes. It was awesome. And so at that point, when I thought about math and comedy, I thought, I can do these both. I mean, I've got a niche that is untouchable. 
I even had business cards printed up. Lou Lefton, mathematician slash comedian. He's funny, and he can prove it. I was on the move. My next stop was New Orleans. I went to the University of New Orleans, which, by the way, is not a strong research math department. They don't even have a PhD program, but that was where both my wife and I, my wife is also a mathematician, that was where both my wife and I were able to get ten, two tenure-track positions. So I continued to do my work there. But my, my mathematical and academic career in, at New Orleans was just not really taking off. I was teaching classes, I was writing proposals, I was doing papers and getting administration done, but I just really wasn't clicking. I would have probably been pretty depressed and full of self-pity had it not been for the fact that in New Orleans, my comedy career was flourishing. <laughs> I was probably writing more jokes than equations at that point in my life. And I even found a way to move some of my math joke material into some place that my regular nightclub sets would work. Hey, I was in the mall the other day. I saw a guy with that big X on his hat. You know, those Malcolm X baseball caps? I thought, cool, a variable. <laughs> So I had myself a baseball cap made with the square root of X on it. <laughs> it was awesome, except for people started to avoid me, and I didn't understand why until I overheard one of them as I was passing. Stay away from him. He's a radical. <laughs> the... Uh, the, the comedy scene in New Orleans was great. I got a chance to work some really great talent. I, I became good friends with Ken Jung, who you may know from his TV shows like Community or movies like The Hangover. Ken was actually in New Orleans at that time as a, uh, an MD working on his residency. And he and I were both trying to sort of find a path between a traditional professional career and a show business career. And although my mathematics and academic career had more or less approached an asymptote at that point, my comedy career, I was pretty sure, could be leveraged. I could take my writing and my niche material and really take this in, into a professional direction. One night in New Orleans, I had a super good opportunity to perform at Storyville, which was the A-list club in the French Quarter at that time. There was a well-known national headliner. The club owner called me up, asked me to do a, a whole week worth of sets. This was you know, they called me instead of Ken or any of the other local comics. I was really excited. This is my big opportunity. I'm going to get a good tape. I'm going to hit the road. But this was already the mid-90s. I had three kids and a mortgage. And I was looking at the schedule for just that week. I had to be there every night. There were two shows on the weekend. And my wife and I talked about it. And we, we couldn't even get the babysitting coverage to do it. At that point... It really hit me. I'm just not going to be able to be a professional comedian. I can't even get on the road across the town, let alone around the country. And so there I was, thinking about math and comedy. And at that point, there was no choice. I couldn't do either one. It was difficult, because here I am at the age of 35, and I felt that my professional life had more or less hit a dead end. But I kept going, because math and comedy were still part of who I was, and I couldn't get rid of them. I, uh, years have passed, I, I got an opportunity to come to Georgia Tech. 
It was a really good opportunity. Uh, it was not a tenure-track position, but it was IT administration and computer work, and it was in the math department, and the opportunities at Georgia Tech were much better for our family than for the opportunities available to us in New Orleans at UNO. So my wife and I both gave up our tenure and came here. And I continued to do math. I, I worked on a few papers, I published a textbook, and I continued to do comedy. I would do some shows at professional societies. At that point in my life, I realized that I was actually doing both math and comedy, but that was not at all what I had expected. They didn't look like what I was thinking they would. Somehow my uh, blend of these two professions and pursuits had become something more uniquely me. I mean, I'm teaching a class at Georgia Tech called the Humor Genome Project, which is computational approach to humor. Think big data and jokes. I'm I've published papers on the use of humor in STEM education and the use of improv in technical engineering design. But it's still not quite a traditional career in either field. I have realized, however, that mathematics and comedy are much, much closer than I first thought. Mathematics is the most abstract of all the sciences. Mathematicians work with things that you can't directly experience, the infinitely small, the infinitely large, higher dimensions. But mathematics is logical and clean and unequivocally true. It's absolute. Comedy, on the other hand, feels very different at first. I mean, it's, it's a complete mess, right? What might be very funny to her is extremely offensive to him. It's messy, it's illogical, but still based in truth. Good comedy always comes from, from truth. And like mathematics, comedy transcends languages. It transcends cultures. Laughter is something we all do. Comedy is, its own, in its own way, it's an absolute as well. And so, when I now look at math and comedy, I, I really realize that I end up doing them both. But it's, it's very different than what I had imagined. The, uh, the end result was that now I'm a high-level administrator at Georgia Tech who occasionally tells dick jokes at night. <laughs> <laughs> and my advisor always told me, you should, anytime you do a talk about math, you should always include a theorem. So here's my theorem. Math and comedy are two sides of a Mobius strip. <laughs> Proof? Me. QED. That was Lou Lefton. Lou is a faculty member in the Georgia Tech School of Mathematics and the Assistant Dean of Information Technology for the Georgia Tech College of Sciences, as well as the Assistant Vice President for Research Cyber Infrastructure at Georgia Tech. He co-founded and is the Acting Executive Director of Decatur Makers, a family-friendly makerspace in downtown Decatur. And as you just heard, he's also an accomplished and experienced comedian who has done stand-up and improv comedy for more than 30 years. Our second story today is from Vanessa Vicaria. It was recorded in September 2017 at the Transac Club in Toronto, Canada, as part of Science Literacy Week. I want to kind of preface this by saying science happens when we're enthused about it, when we really foster it, when, like, you think about the next generation, like, 
we have to get people invested in science. We have to show them it's important and we have to be enthusiastic about it. And that's why my story is about my first day of math class because that is the language behind science. This is my first day of math class, not as a student, but as a student teacher. So I'm gonna start by saying, first of all, I failed grade 11 math twice, okay? So I like sucked at math. I hated math, I was uninspired. I totally was not into this whole like, oh my God, science, everything's great. I was like, I wanna be an actress and marry Keanu Reeves, get me the fuck out of here. That was like my vibe. So anyways, years later though, after an amazing teacher that inspired me, after all these amazing experiences, after people helping me prove to myself that I could do something I never thought I could do, AKA solve a quadratic equation, there I was, my first day of math class. So I'm a student teacher and I like walk down the hall of the school and I'm like basically like have the air of a B-list celeb. I'm like, I'm gonna change the world. Like all these kids don't even know what's gonna hit them. And like, you know that smell, like that, like the school smell of like gross, like varnishy balls and like all the like gum that kids have like stuck under the tables and like, ugh, like gross. I'm like, yeah, okay, right now it smells like that. But when I'm done here, it's gonna smell like vanilla and like spice and cigarette smoke. Like this place is gonna be cool. Okay, so like I walk into the math department and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to meet my student teacher. I'm ready to meet the head of the math department. And there he is, Mr. Nullman this old Russian man, and he has like tufts of gray hair like sticking out of his ears, and he smells like smoke, and like spoiler alert, I found out later, he actually used to smoke cigarettes, stick the butts in his pocket, and then put the pants in the laundry for his wife to do, like this guy was just gross. Anyways, fine. I wouldn't hate on him so much if like this didn't happen. So I'm like, hi, hello, I'm, I'm my name's Vanessa, I'm your new favorite math teacher. And he looks at me and he's like, that's a pretty girl like you doing being math teacher. And I'm like, what the, what the, f like, is this 1942? Is this happening? Whatever, that's fine. Another thing I'm going to change, I'm like, I'm ready to meet my student teacher. Like, I'm ready to meet my mentor. So, okay, for those of you who don't know anything about student teaching, whatever, what, you're a teacher, I'm in teacher's college. The whole point of, a, a, like, being a student teacher is you have a mentor that's your classroom mentor. And they... I know, shocking, they mentor you, okay? They're supposed to mentor you and you follow them around and you learn from them and it's this whole like symbiotic experience and it's so great and you learn how to plan lessons and like, okay. Well, Mr. Ganna, my mentor, is a rugby teacher turned French math teacher. Um, like just, I'm gonna do a lot of side rants because like that's, I just don't understand how this happens when there are so many qualified math teachers without jobs. But like, there he is, super enthused guy, like really into it, doesn't know shit about math or science, nothing. So I'm like, I'm like, hey, like I'm your student teacher. He's like, oh my God, this is so perfect. Perfect, because he has a rugby game to coach. Okay, so day one, I'm like, we're supposed to go into the classroom and I'm gonna observe him teach. Instead, what happens is we go into the classroom and he's like, hi guys, this is me sorry, what's your name, miss? And I'm like, miss, uh, miss you can call me Miss V. And he's like, this is Miss V. She's going to be your teacher for two months. I got to go. And like, and leaves. Like, he's out. And I'm like, okay, all right. Other side note, the day of my first placement, this day when I'm student teaching is April 20th. It is 420. It is the national day for celebrating marijuana consumption. That is the day I'm in the classroom for the first time. Okay. That'll become very relevant later. So I'm there, he leaves, there are 35 kids because obviously classrooms are completely like ridiculously overstocked with children. And I'm like, 
uh, okay, all right. So thankfully, there's like a few girls in the front who are like really down with the fact that like Mr. Gana is no longer there because they're enthused about learning. And I'm a female that looks kind of young and like kind of cool. And so they're like, I'm like, what do you, what? And they're like, we have a test on completing the square tomorrow. Okay. I don't know who remembers this. Completing the square is the worst fucking thing ever. It is the worst, especially if you're taught it by a teacher who doesn't know any math. So I like figure out what they're doing and I'm like, all right, we're going to learn completing the square. But first I'm going to give you this really great pep talk and you're all going to love me. So I'm like, hi guys, like I miss V. Don't worry. Like I failed math twice. Like I totally get it. Like, okay. So like five kids are like, okay, all right, I'm down. Like I see what's going on here. The rest of the kids, and like, this is what I don't, like, it's not that I have a bad memory. I swear, okay? Just think about our math classes. Were they like this? It's literally like a fucking zoo in there. Like, everyone's talking. Like, they're doing stuff. They're like, I'm like, I just, like, why is there so much noise though? Like, I'm a te- like I'm standing, I'm teaching a lesson. So I'm like trying to teach. And like, the, so the five girls are like, oh my God, this is so much better than what Mr. Ganna did. This is great. And I'm like, okay, great, great. But there's like so much noise. So I keep being like, um, Guys, I'm uh, I'm teaching like a I'm teaching a lot. Do you mind just can you be quiet? Can you be quiet? And so like they'll kind of look at me like, what the fuck is she on? Okay, like quiet down for like two minutes, and then keep going. And I'm just like I'm so like I'm just confused. Like, and then also like every time I turn around from the lesson, like they're go- like some of them are gone. Like they're just not like there anymore. And I'm like, where do they go? Like, are they in the bathroom? I don't know. Like, I don't know, but I don't have time to think about this because I have like, I have 45 minutes. I need to teach a lesson. And like, I don't even know what's happening. So finally it gets to the point that I'm like, like these, these girls in the front are like into learning and I'm feeling the, like I'm teaching them something like I'm doing it. I'm the change I wish to see in the world. Like it's all happening, but like no one can hear me. So finally I'm like, I'm like, like I'm literally whining at these kids. I'm like, guys, I'm like, honestly, like I'm standing here and I'm trying to teach. And like, just can you imagine if you were here and you were trying to teach and no one was listening? Like, it's so pathetic. And like, I was thinking in this moment, I'm like, oh my God, I get it. Like, you know, like, I'm sure we all had like the math teacher that you're like, ugh, like, why are you teaching me? You don't even want to be here. Like, get another job. No, this is why they're like this. This is why they're like this. It's because they want to get up there and they want to teach you how to factor. Like, they are ready to do it. But instead, you know what they're doing? They're being like, be quiet. Don't go to the bathroom. Stop smoking weed. I don't even know what you're doing. Like, that, they're so stressed out. Like, I see how it all happens in their minds. Finally, this girl at the front who, like, I will equate to, like, the plastics and mean girls, like, okay, literally gets up. She turns around. She goes, guys, leave Miss V alone. She is so much better than Mrs. G- or Mr. Ganna. So shut the fuck up, you assholes. And I'm like... Oh my God. Oh my God. So, okay. Like number one, since when can kids just swear in classrooms like this? Why is this like, okay. But like number two, I'm like, yeah, fuck. Right. Like I fucking want this. I'm a part of the cool girl. Like all my high school dreams of being cool once and for all, like are happening right now, like 20 years later. So I'm like, all right, all right. I'm in. Okay. So I'm in whatever with the swearing. Like, I don't even know if going to the office is still a thing. Like, do you say, like, I guess not. Like people just swear now. And so I have 20 minutes left and I'm like, all right, let's like finish this off. Problem is like now like everyone's down. Like they like think I'm cool, but like they're like two down. And that's when I get hit by like the first flying joint. And like I said a flying joint because, and I remember his name, 
Brian, who was definitely high out of his fucking mind, had like rolled up little pieces of paper into joint formation and was hurling them at my head. And I'm like, okay, like I'm just gonna keep like, okay, factor the three out, like we're fine. And then like, so like, but he cannot contain himself. And like the guys think it's the funniest thing ever. And so finally Brian's like, miss, miss, are you going to the marijuana march? And I'm like, I'm just gonna keep factoring, like whatever. And I'm like thinking also like, Brian, you dumbass, like number one, if I was going to the marijuana march, which I obviously am, like, I'm not going to tell you. And number two, I'm not going to say no because that's so bait out and that makes me look like, what kind of response do you even think you're eliciting, you dumb 16-year-old? Okay, that's really actually like damaging to my job right now. I think you're all very intelligent. But anyway, so I'm like, so if I, I think, like, I hope in my memory the story goes that I was like, Brian, even if I was going to the marijuana march, I wouldn't tell you I was. Like, end of story. Like, not sure if that happened, but in my mind, that's what happened. So I keep teaching, whatever, we kill it, end of day, bell rings, I'm like, oh my God, honestly, I'm feeling like so cool. I tell those girls in the front that we're like a squad now. Like I didn't, I didn't use the word squad because it's like cool now, it wasn't cool then at all. But I said like something and I was like, I've totally made it. All the guys kind of give me a nod, like 10 of them are missing from the class, like whatever, it's fine. I leave, I'm like strutting down the hall, like go outside. I'm like, all right, I got this. I see Brian. His face is so red. He's smoking a joint. I just like look at him. Like, I'm not really looking at you, but I'm looking at you, whatever. And like, I, I finished my first day of, of class. And like, it's kind of crazy. Mr. Ganna, so in case you're wondering, he never came back ever, except one time uh, he came back because I wanted to do the quadratic formula song, like X equals negative B. Anyways, it was like a whole song. And he uh, he got really excited about it because like showing up with like a lighter in his guitar was like way more in his wheelhouse than teaching that. So he like showed up for that. Um, but yeah, so the, the end of the semester or like the end of my two months, I told these kids, I'm like, well, I'm like piecing out to India and I'm going to be tutoring for a few months. If you guys want some help, every single kid in that class called me literally fast forward to like a year later and I have a tutoring company and I ended up having to hire 20 tutors. I feel like it's the craziest thing because all I wanted to do is give these these kids a, a real actual chance to love math. And Mr. Ganna, God bless the guy, like couldn't do that. And you know, it's really, it's really scary to look at the education system. I know we're talking about it a lot and it's in the news a lot, but Math and science are amazing, but you have to have someone show you that. And if they're not going to do that, there's no hope in hell. So it was, it was incredible. I, I'm now friends with all of these kids. I have drinks with them and coffee. I never smoke weed with them. Not yet. It's not legal yet. And at the end of the day, like, I really was the change I wished to be. And, like, honestly, these kids were and they will be too. Thank you so much. was Vanessa Vacaria. Vanessa is the founder and director of The Math Guru, which is a super cool boutique math and science tutoring studio in Toronto. She travels globally, engaging audiences with her workshop, imagining a world where Kim Kardashian loves math, encouraging teenagers, teachers, and everyone to reinterpret and reinvent traditional stereotypes of what it means to be a math person. She's also a founding member of Goodnight Sunrise, a rock and roll band where she plays the guitar and belts lead vocals. If you enjoyed today's stories or are a fan of the podcast, please consider subscribing or writing us a review on iTunes. It helps us climb the rankings and that helps new people find the podcast. 
The Story Collider is grateful for the support of the Tiffany & Co. Foundation and of Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative dedicated to engaging everyone with the process of science. The Story Collider is directed by Aaron Barker and me, Liz Neely, with the help of our staff and volunteers. The stories featured in today's podcast were from shows produced by Kelly Vanal, Mesa Salida, Nissa Grinberg, Jesse Hildebrand, and Eliane Fairbairn. The podcast is produced by Zoe Saunders. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to the Highland Inn Ballroom and the Transact for hosting these shows, and to all of you math lovers out there. Thanks for listening. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.